Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our second guests are Jenna Badley and Nancy Gershman, and our second topic is how we use creative connections to rewrite our grief story. Jenna Badley is a researcher and therapist at the University of Texas who works with the bereaved, helping them to use stories to understand and validate their experience of loss. Nancy Gershman is a digital artist who works with the bereaved in the creation of photo montages that also tell their story. Welcome back to the show, and what, Gloria, and welcome Jenna and Nancy. Hi, Jenna and Nancy. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Jenna, now where are you located in Texas? I'm in Austin, Texas. Wow. And Nancy, where are you? I'm in Chicago. Wow. Hi, Nancy. Nancy, uh, just to let you all know, is one of these days, right, Nancy, we are going to have an art blog. <laughs> Any minute. <laughs> and we just had on Chris on the early break, and Nancy's been in touch with Chris. He's our web guy. And uh, I talked to him yesterday, Nancy, and he said he's working on the art blog. Have you heard from him? No. No, I haven't. <laughs> it must be that bee bite. <laughs> So hopefully we'll have it soon. Well, I'm excited and very interested about this show because uh, the work that uh, Jenna's doing as a researcher is really interesting, and it's amazing. I was just looking at the show today how it really fits in also with the work that Nancy's doing because she's she's working. I said collages, but they're montages, right, Nancy? And no, it's, collages it's you can that yourself, and montages are pictures. Yeah, collages are more hand cut. And uh, what I'm doing is my work is entirely digital. I'm scanning those photos, and then uh, the cutting and pasting is is entirely on the computer. Uh-huh. And the final is a is a print. So Although you're really having people do a pictorial their pictorial stories of how and and we'll talk about that. I mean, they're not they're not necessarily reality based, right? They're kind of not at all. If anything, they're they're a wishful reality. Uh, because sometimes um, uh, when someone dies, the, uh, the you know the survivors want to know where are they now, and so uh, sometimes I'm creating a, a landscape uh, entirely from scratch, you know, which is based on um, uh, unrequited dreams of sorts. Uh, now, talk about uh, quickly that story that that you wrote up about the uh, uh, you used your montage about the person who died and. Well, um, for example, I was just thinking about uh, the story of Craig, who was um, uh, a flying instructor. And, uh, and when he died, really, all I had at my disposal was a story from his aunt about how his, um, uh, his favorite song was Love is My Religion and, uh, and his favorite flip-flops had AstroTurf on them, and that was all I had. Um, and I went through a number of photographs, and this was all done sort of remotely. I never met this family. It was all done uh, via telephone. And um, and what what I eventually did was I constructed an entire beach scene uh, in Jamaica that sort of fleshed out the uh, the philosophy behind love is my religion, you know, creating um, uh, you know specific sign and putting uh, Craig taking the one shot of Craig where he's in a bathtub, you know, with his hand graciously inviting you in, and so. Uh, that that became his legacy, and now his um, his cousins are wearing his T-shirts, you know, under their graduation gowns or whenever they need some luck. Oh, I love that. 
that's, yeah. yeah, that's great. And you can talk to these montage, I mean, uh, is montage. that right, montage? Uh, yeah. Right mm-hmm. yeah, you can talk to the montages, people dialogue with them after they get through, they can do yeah, you know, exactly. whatever they want with them, I loved yeah, exactly. To, uh, to you know, either it talks to them, uh, you know, or or vice versa. And I kind of make it a, a Where's Waldo, so that they're they're looking for familiar objects that came from their photographs, but they're also uh, stumbling across new interpretations. You know, like for example, those flip flops I mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, why are they up in the air? It's because he died uh, doing what he loves best, which was flying an airplane. And uh, and those flip flops are, um, you know, they're they're in a, in a sort of V shape, as if they're sprung from the palm trees. And so it's it's a way of dealing with something that was very painful to the family, uh, you know, sort of the elephant in the room. And there it's taken care of because he died flying a plane. Right. So people can can do this. Well, I want to now now segue into talking uh, uh, <clears throat> a little bit with Jenna. Because, Jenna, you're helping people tell their stories with the montages. And, Jenna, you've done your research on talking about the stories, right? That's right, yeah. My research is mostly about how people tell stories about grief and what kinds of stories are most likely to get supportive responses from listeners. Uh-huh. And, and uh, what kind do get the most re- re- um, supportive reactions? Well, it seems like stories that uh, have relatively happy endings get good responses. So stories where the grief was sort of at the beginning of the story and people have found a way to recover and regain kind of hope for their lives. Mm-hmm. And what, so people what that have found that hope again. Yet, I'm thinking that maybe uh, the montage is an interesting way for brand new grief to, to a less uh, straightforward way, would you say that, or, or not? Nancy, do you know what I mean? Well, um, I, Jenna, Jenna is really talking about when um, when they're articulating and uh, when, when the griever is telling their story, and um, you know she she's she's not getting a lot of response from the consoler. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and, I realize and, that, yeah. but you know, and and and, and in my, in my on, case, I don't think you can. Ca- can you calculate that that much in say the first month or something? Do you think you can really? Don't you think the story is just just happens? Well, actually, in the first in the first couple of weeks, it seems like people sort of have a free pass to talk about however much pain they want, in a sense. But you know, pass after from that, the world, right? A free pass from the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. After that, it becomes um, a bit more difficult. And so, if they still do have a lot of pain, then then I think doing something creative for themselves, like the montage, would be a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also this deadline for grief. You know, you're supposed to be over it by a certain time. And so um, I'm dealing with those type of individuals. They sort of pass the deadline, and um, uh, and and what this enables them to do is to have a kind of transitional objects, uh, you know, a little shrine of that of that person in in all their um, complexity, you know, in, versus um, an individual photograph, which very often is so painful that they just you know want to well, shove it into a drawer. Also, Nancy, I'm thinking that your art, and I would encourage people, your montages, I would encourage people to go on your site and look at them. They are fun, and they're conversation pieces. You know, know and so I think it it kind of gets people to talk and dialogue. The uh, the humor component, which uh, I I don't know if everyone does that when they do what's called a memorial uh, portrait, but I really try to get humor and irony in there because, 
you know, humor actually causes a chemical reaction in the brain, uh, you know, where you, where you get um, a, a feeling of, um, of pleasure uh, when you laugh. And so I am trying to um, show that, there, that the, uh, the loved one who died, you know, what would they really think of you if you're here sobbing and uh, not, not getting on with your life and, and, you know, doing some of the great things that you said you would do. Right. So, yeah. Well, I, one of the things I wanted to um, get uh, to a little bit is how you guys got into this. And, Jenna, do you want to talk a little bit about how you got interested in this topic? Um, yeah, I mean, I had um, a loss in my family. My mother died when I was a little kid, and, you know, I noticed that, you know, years later when I would talk about the loss to people, there would be, you know, some awkwardness, and they wouldn't quite know what to say, and, you know, I was I was um, not in a particularly raw place with it when when they had these reactions, and so it was it was one thing, but I it struck me just how painful it must be when people are really dealing with a lot of pain to then have listeners sort of back away and not know what to do with it. Yeah, um, I, I love the fact that, and Hattie and I always um, are impressed by when we have these kind of losses, what people go on, and we always want our audience to know, you know, here's somebody who lost uh, a mom as an infant and has gone on to really do a nice contribution to the world. So uh, so congratulations to you, Jennifer, Jenna, for doing all this. It's great. How about you, uh, Nancy? Um, actually, um, my son was having a, a bar mitzvah, and um, uh, I made actually a hand-cut collage presentation, you know, of, of um, the relationship of Sam with all the different friends and family members. And then towards the end, um, I realized that, um, you know, he, he, you know, my grandmothers on both sides didn't live long enough to uh, to meet Sam, uh, really, you know, beyond just his baby years. And so I made a photo montage where they really look like, it really looks as if Sam is engaging with his piano-playing grandmother. And mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's just so sweet and, and tender, and you could almost hear like a sigh from everybody in the audience because they knew that, you know, Sam was also learning to play the piano and that she would have been a big supporter of him. So... Yeah, it's, again, wishfulness, you know. Now, how are you guys working together? Because I'm just thinking they seem like a really good segue for each other, Heidi. I mean, like Jenna, Mm -hmm. you could be working with people who have this story and you could see that they were stuck with it or whatever because one of the things you're saying is that um, eventually you need to find some kind of hope in your story or people aren't going to listen anymore, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so you could direct them over to Nancy to see if they could find it if they're stuck. I, you yeah, know. and vice versa. I can yeah. tell them how to talk to their friends and family by uh, giving them the do's and don'ts from Jenna because she's see, see, I think, list. And I think, Mom, this is the hard part because what happens, like you all said, is that initially people come in, will come in and be supportive and they don't need hope in your story. But then what happens is you, you don't have hope because, you know, you, the person's only been dead a few months and everybody flees. And sometimes we don't find hope for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so there's this place in our lives where we're not getting support when we really need it. Yeah. Jenna, yeah, what about right. these people? I, I know somebody in particular who really wants to shock everybody with their story, I swear. I mean, they want to see who they can, who will who'll hang in with them and who won't if they really tell them the bottom line. Do you, have you heard that? Have I heard of people who do that? Yeah. Well, um, not Really, but I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think people can use it as a way to see kind of who their friends really are. 
Yeah, and, and I'm just wondering, I'm thinking of this person in particular, it would be very interesting for them to take a look at your work because I think they could distance themselves a little bit from what they're doing. You mean the same way people happened. are addicted to anger, people are also addicted to their unhappiness. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, Jenna, how would people get a hold of your research so that they could read it? Are you doing a book or do you have uh, something? Maybe you could write an article for us or something. Because oh, yeah. I think what you're talking about here is so important about how people are turning people off. I mean, how people don't listen. We'll talk a little bit about it. Who gets listened to and who doesn't? Well, Mom, I was going to just interrupt for a minute. Jenna does have a website because I've been on it with links to her articles. Oh, good. Okay. And and so, what's, that, what's your website link, Jenna? Um, let me pull it up for you. I can give it to you guys after the break, actually. Okay. All right. Well, we'll put it up. So who who gets listened to and who doesn't? Well, um, you know, the kinds of stories that I talked about earlier where people uh, sort of have a happy ending, um, those mm-hmm. are the kinds of stories that people are eager to hear in our culture. And so those people will definitely get listened to. And on the flip side, you know, the stories that um, that sort of end with the devastation that's caused by the grief um, that go from having a happy life to then, you know, being devastated are the ones that are most likely to shut people off. Well, what do you do if you haven't recovered emotionally? Well, I mean, you can go get a photo montage. That would be one thing for sure. Um, Also, you know, more traditionally, um, that's what grief therapy is really for, um, is... The therapists are trained to hear and really validate the kinds of stories that are really difficult for most people to hear because they're just so painful. And I think compassionate friends and hospices have groups, and I really encourage people to go to groups, but there are some people who don't like to go to groups and and, and don't want to tell their story, but the problem is I, I think that they miss out on restructuring their story or retelling it or finding any hope, I, I think. Yeah. You know, there well, was something else that occurred to me that, you know, people feel like it's intrusive, um, you know, to really ask you how you're feeling, you the, the, the grieving person. Uh, and I thought what, what was interesting about Jenna's research is that she's found um, exactly if you have trouble expressing yourself to the griever, how to do it. Jenna, what were those things again? Well, I think people do get uncomfortable and um, and tend to try to minimize the griever's pain, where really it's important to do exactly the opposite, to just be there and listen and validate the pain that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Acknowledging validation is so important rather than little euphemisms like they're in a better place, time heals all wounds. Those things are actually not helpful. In fact, they're pretty irritating. Yeah. But people may not know what validation means, Jenna. What, what, for example? Mm-hmm. Well, it just means to give a simple acknowledgement of what you've been hearing. Like, I can tell how painful this is for you. It's even painful for me to listen to. I'm so sorry this has happened. Something is. And I think you're that. both bringing up something that's really important. It's we out there that have been through loss need to teach people how to be good grief support. Yeah. And sometimes you, we just need to say, look, I actually just need to talk about it. You don't yeah. need to fix it, but I just need a place to talk about it. You know, that um, that makes me think about grief etiquette because um, I once had a woman who um, 
who contacted me and said, you know, almost a decade has passed, and uh, she wants people to know that she actually had uh, she had three children and not just two children, and she was always afraid to bring the photograph out, you know, for for stillborn child. I mean, clearly it would have shocked them, and so um, she came to me to find a way um, to to place this baby into, um, I guess. A more palatable uh, landscape, you know, and um, and so that she could open the discussion. They would say, "Oh, what a beautiful dress she's wearing," uh, and you know, just have a normal conversation about this person who existed. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing that you can do with art. I mean, we have a, a we had an old scale in my husband's father's store, and we had it painted. And in the in the basket of the scale, the artist put three peaches and an apple mm. and uh you know i have three daughters and my son scott yeah apple and he was born in new york city oh mm-hmm. so if people ask about that art well, it's funny you said basket because for this particular mother ruth i actually put the the baby into a basket of reeds almost like moses a moses type mm-hmm. basket so uh, it's a wonderful and- way to and took and took the um, the breathing tube away, you know, which was in the picture. That was I, I just right. remember that was the biggest problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys get together? Uh, Nancy lives in Chicago, right? And uh, Jenna lives in Texas. Well, you remember uh, Todd Hochberg, who you had on your your show earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to a uh, an exhibition of his, and I met a uh, an, a psychiatric nurse who told me about the research that um, that Jenna was doing. And I was so interested because, you know, reframing the narrative, the grief narrative, is really what I do. I do it visually. Um, and I, I just wanted to uh, to learn a little bit about what Jenna was working on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jenna, I bet you were surprised that she, an artist, was coming to you to talk about the narrative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was struck by her art too. I thought it was um, it was really something. Yeah, you know, and what I thought about when I read all this and thought about the, your narrative and and then your art is what I did. Um, I was a structural and strategic family therapist, and we created the art in the room with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm also thinking, Mom, with Jenna and Nancy's work in mind and reframing the grief narrative, it would be really invaluable and important for someone that is stuck in the trauma of the death itself to try to work on reframing their grief narrative. Yeah, especially when it's a homicide or, or um, uh, a, a very suicide. young person who dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. But all of them, you know, any kind of tra- traumatic uh, situation and, and any anything people are stuck in. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of even of even my own situation. It's, when it's when Scott thing. died in a pretty severe accident, car accident, I really had to work through that and try to restore that because I was, you know, I had a lot of nightmares and a lot of trauma around his last moments. Yeah. So I like what you're doing with the grief narrative. Well, you know, that's the other thing about being a prescriptive artist versus um, an art therapist because people Mm -hmm. always say, oh, you're an art therapist. And I try to distinguish it. You know, I'm coming as an outsider um, and and reframing the story in such a way that – not only will it be um, a, a wonderful memory of, of their legacy, but also it, it's a it's a, a conversation opener about something that was very painful. 
and um, and I think that uh, you know that's key, especially very often a uh, a relative, not the direct relative, but maybe an aunt, for example, as I mentioned before, or or a sister will um, will contact me and uh, and and give me give me details about what's painting the direct kin. You know, like for example, she, that uh, so let's say a mother died, um, and her son is a is a truck driver, and he's you know uh, many hours on the road al- alone, and uh, the the, um, the the surviving um, sister sibling was um, you know was remembering that her her uh, her sister would be worried about the son, and so uh, I'm taking that worry and putting it to bed in the photo montage by um, showing that he's he's being safe, you know, in some symbolic form. That's great. And and I'm sure you find out what people's religious belief is or whatever and use their own their form. Yeah. 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 Indeed. How would people get in touch with you, Nancy? Well, um several ways. I mean I give a, a, a number of talks. Um, I um, I'm also uh, on the internet and so that if anyone typed in a, a sympathy Gift or sympathy portrait or healing artwork, they would find me. Um, and uh, I do not advertise, uh, so it's really word of mouth. And and I'm in touch with a lot of hospices and hospitals and, and grief networks. So that's Nancy Gershman, G E R S H M A N. Right. Okay. And Jenna, how about you? You've got your website. I'm sure we can Google Jenna. Uh, you can. I just I just Google Jenna's name. I'm sorry, Mom, what was her, her last name? How did you spell her last name? D-A-D-D-E-L-E-Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the easiest way to go. My webpage has a really long address. Okay. Yeah, that's how, that's how I found you. I just put your name into the search engine. Yeah, so, and uh, my, web, my website's pretty easy. It's uh, artforyoursake.com. Okay, great. And yeah. uh, I, I wanted to um, just end with a, a, something that Jenna said, and I have some material here. It says... Um, Well, you basically said that you need to find the right people at the spot you're grieving in, right, Jenna? That's right, yeah, that that not everybody is going to be kind of able or willing to really listen to you, and so it's a matter of just being selective about your listeners, you know, people who, you know, can really be there. Yeah, and and also Heidi got the point of there's some people that you can't educate because there are family members that you have to interact with and you may have to educate them. There's some people that maybe uh, I had people that I didn't see for three or four years that are my friends again. So not everybody can deal with the process. So um, be patient, kind to yourself and others. Um, did you have either of you have a comment you wanted to close the show with, Nancy? Did you have something you wanted to say? Well, I, I just wanted to say that there's something about uh, photo montage that is especially uh, rich for this type of, uh, of you know grief counseling, and that is that um, art elevates and it kind of takes a, a, a tragedy and it, um, it, it you know it's sort of misbuilding because you're showing um, uh, you're showing people that this this was almost a heroic uh, character in an epic story. And it, it just makes people feel, um, uh, you know, a great deal of, of relief when they, you know, when they see that. Um, and that's, that's all I want to say. Well, great. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jenna and Nancy. And uh, okay, it's, it's great having you on. And thanks for all the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Gloria. Thanks, Heidi. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio, 
you can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.